Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And now we know how low they can go. It's another edition of The Doghouse here on the Believe Podcast Network. Welcome back to The Doghouse. This is your host, David Murray. And as you can tell, if you've been keeping up, and who hasn't been keeping up out there, we're going to talk about how low they went. Yes, low being the SEC press corps. A week ago, I was asking how low could voters go in regard to predicting Mississippi State as far as finish in the SEC West and selecting players for their all-conference teams. Well, we found out. They can go all the way to the bottom. Mississippi State has been predicted to finish 7th in the SEC West, out of 7 in case anyone's uh, forgot the count. And, uh, well, that's your story right there. Now, let's be completely honest. Did I expect Mississippi State to get a high positioning in the final voting by SEC media? Of course not. I've been to these things since the first one in 1985, and since they started taking votes in 1992. I haven't always voted because I didn't attend the entire media days. I usually go only for Mississippi State session. But a year ago, when the SEC went to an online voting format, I said, okay, I've criticized the voting often enough. I might as well throw my own two cents into it and uh, join the party. Well, I did last year, and I did again this year. I'll be giving you my own votes later, but I, (laughs) what can I say? Well, I can say this. Let's get this out of the way immediately. Zach Arnett's first full season as head coach is way going to exceed finishing last in the SEC West. Let's go ahead and just get that out there. Barring the incredibly unforeseen, the Bulldogs will not finish last in the West. They will not finish last overall in the SEC. They're going to finish in the mid-pack of the West and perhaps even higher because this is the makings of a very good football team for this year. But that's not what the SEC press corps, at least those who voted, and that's the key to the story. The ones who voted, not the corps as a whole, predicted. Mississippi State dead last, although somebody gave them a first place vote overall and for the SEC championship. No, it was not me. That's one of those cases. There's a lot of outrage over there about who all voted. Vanderbilt, eight votes to finish first in the SEC East and five to win the SEC championship. I'm sure some of those were just mistakes because the online balloting system can cause a few uh, misconceptions there. But bluntly, I think some people were just having some fun stating what they thought of the voting. Well, if they think of that, then don't vote, damn it. But they did. And we'll be talking about how they fouled up the process for just about everybody after we take care of our sponsor, Bet Online, where the game starts. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games, available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BLEAV, that's all caps, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Well, SEC football doesn't start for five weeks yet. Practices for another two weeks. But the talking season was in full roar this past week in Nashville, as well as all across the country, various media days and the conferences. But the SEC, being the big dog that it is, got the lion's share of the coverage Monday through Thursday. I was there for Tuesday in Mississippi State's own session. Uh, Peripherally caught a little bit of Auburn's as well because they shared that afternoon session. 
in the Grand Hyatt down in Nashville. By the way, it is grand. It is a heck of a hotel. Uh, first time the conference is held at Nashville, probably not the last time. Uh, I'm not going to say it was my ideal choice. I like Hoover just because it's convenient, but as far as a setting, this was much better. Except we're only going to be there one year right now because next year Media Days moved to Dallas and will be held not just in a new state, a new region for the SEC with the addition of Texas coming aboard the conference. Yes, I know A&M's been in the league for a long time. And uh, they have that healthy contingent in Dallas as well. But sometimes it's still, after all these years, forget that they are in the conference after all. That's one of the penalties of being old. But anyway, State will and the SEC will be out there, you know, the media days in 2024. And it falls on the same week as Major League Baseball's All-Star Game. So all I can say is, thank goodness I have a free lodging to call upon. My younger sister, Julie, lives out in the Dallas area. Given what hotels are likely to go for on All-Star Weekend and with media days there, going to be a lot of cash spent in Big D that week, and I'm trying to keep mine down because college football really eats into my budgeting. But it's what we do because we enjoy it. What we don't enjoy is getting confirmation yet again for, oh, I could give how many years, but it's depressing on just what the SEC media core thinks, or rather does not think at all, about Mississippi State football. Now, let's go ahead, and again, I said that uh, Mississippi State, Zach Arnett's team, barring the utterly unforeseen, is going to finish better than 7th, and I think way better than 7th in the SEC West. In fact, let's give you the voting right now, what the SEC finish was according to the 291, stress that, 291 votes received on this online system. And that's not even half of the attending press corps there. So that right there gives you an idea that this was going to be a warped ballot to begin with. But the SEC media said the West is going to be Alabama, LSU, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Auburn, Mississippi State. My own voting in the West was LSU, then Alabama, then Mississippi State. And no, that wasn't homerism kicking in. I really think these Bulldogs are good enough to finish third, given who they play in the rest of the West. Because after them, I have Texas A&M, Ole Miss, Arkansas, and Auburn. By the way, in the East, uh, we all agreed that Georgia and Tennessee would be one and two in that division. My own vote, now, if I could have skipped number three in the East, I would, because I think there is a huge drop-off once you get past the top two to the next bunch. Uh, SEC media voted South Carolina, Kentucky, Florida, Missouri, Vanderbilt, despite Vandy getting that ridiculous eight first-place votes. And my own vote was Georgia, Tennessee, Kentucky, South Carolina, Missouri, Florida, and Vanderbilt. I was asked why I rated Florida so low. I think their schedule is brutal. I think that relying on a transfer quarterback and other things is just not going to work this year for Billy Napier's bunch and maybe even next year, although his recruiting seems to be going well. It was tough. You know, I could have gone either way, Florida and Missouri, in that sixth spot there. Vanderbilt is going to be last no matter what the voting says. I just can't get over that, can I? I flipped Kentucky and South Carolina because I just think Kentucky did a little better job in the portal bringing players in to plug into Mark Stoops' system and then South Carolina. But if you want to flip-flop those, I can certainly see it. So that was my own voting. Of course, I predicted Georgia to win the championship, and so did the SEC press corps as a whole, though I was really kind of surprised. No, no. Honestly, I wasn't surprised to see Alabama get one-third of the votes that – Georgia did. 
Because this again goes back to what I tried to stress in my own writing about this, in social media comments and others. The voting for it is determined by who actually wants to go to the trouble of looking up all these nominees, picking from them, because the SEC gives you a ballot online, tells you to pick, oh, here's an example, uh, two quarterbacks, and gives you six or seven quarterbacks to choose from. And as far as their online um, team order finish, that's pretty straightforward. You just plug it right in. But still, there can be some room for confusion. At the same time, this is about as easy a process as you can imagine. Instead of filling out a paper ballot and handing that in to somebody by a certain deadline, you just make a few clicks and send it in and you're done. So why so few voters took the trouble? And the problem further becomes that what area of the SEC sends the most media to these affairs is going to heavily, heavily influence the voting. No surprise. The largest contingents come from the adjoining states of Alabama and Georgia. Now, that's going to weigh in the voting regardless, no matter how good those programs are. But there's a reason that Alabama, until last year, it was no, including last year, until this year, has been picked to win just about every SEC championship for I don't know how many years now. They had a full list of it on the media report. I read through it with rare gaps. That homerism voting from that side of the state line always weighs in total of the tide. And, uh, you know, maybe about 50% of the time they've been right. But it it's a further evidence of the bias inherent in the voting. And it's also inherent in their ignorance or just their dismissal of Mississippi State. That's just what you're dealing with. And, and Mississippi State is not the only one. You can see them lowly opinions of some other teams as well, just based on the voting. Missouri probably never gets the respect they truly deserve because they just don't send many writers there. Now, Arkansas doesn't send a whole big press corps, but let me tell you, that may be the most loyal media corps to a school in this entire dang conference, and I include Alabama in that. It's almost like they have to swear some kind of oath up in Fayetteville before you can allow to cover the hogs that you'll support them and report them, uh, hell and high water and all that pig suey stuff. Uh, some fan bases and media bases are a little more balanced. Well, okay, are we ever, let's say a little less imbalanced because we're all to some extent going to be imbalanced. And that really shows when it comes time to vote for your all SEC teams. But the fact being, Mississippi State is much better than a seventh place team in the Western Division. Now, the Western Division is still the tougher of the two. And by the way, this again is the last year divisional play in the SEC. How the voting is done next year, 1 through 16, that's going to be a ton of fun for people like me trying to decide between uh, 10, 11, 12, 13, and so on. Who do you put there? I can already tell you who's going to be number 16 in my vote next year. Uh, that's easy enough to go. I don't care what that handful of crazy voters does. Uh, we've been asked on the message boards and seen in social media queries about how come re reporters aren't required to post their ballot. Well, that's just, it's futile. It's not going to happen. It's not like the Associated Press or others where they do post what uh, voters say as far as their rankings. It'd be fun. And increasingly, I've noticed uh, national media, regional media, and even some locals are coming out and saying, okay, here's what I voted for. And think about it. It's not just because they want to counter the narrative they're seeing coming out from the raw totals and to stand against it. 
they also just disagree with how this process is, and they do not want to be numbered among the kind of crazy people who would vote Vanderbilt to finish first in their division and win the SEC overall. You get what I'm saying? The voting process, it's flawed, but it's all you got. I don't mind it in most respects. It's entertaining. certainly gives a lot of talking fodder, as I was telling the PR director at Mississippi State that uh, this uh, – Seventh place prediction of this year. I think last year's state was predicted six. All those things. I said it's great for site traffic because people got to get the anger out of their system until there's actual football for us to report on. But it's not great for the program's image because it just shows, again, the dismissal that they have in, of Mississippi State in general. Never mind the fact that last year, as I said, the Bulldogs were predicted to finish sixth in Mike Leach's third season. Guess where they finished? Sixth. In the whole conference, they finished third in the Western Division on tiebreak. They finished sixth overall in the conference on tiebreak. That's called, oh, exceeding expectations. Well, these Bulldogs will definitely exceed expectations from outsiders. They will not exceed their own expectations because this is a team, judging by what Coach Zach Arnett and the three players we interviewed in Nashville all had to say about the team, and the good part about it was you, you see most of what you see, unless, of course, you're reading Gene's page 24-7. And why aren't you if you aren't? Do it. Go back on there and find the transcripts, the features, the videos that myself and Robbie Falk shot with the coach and the three players there, besides the official stuff when those players and coach also appeared before the full press corps in the big room. We had a chance, thanks to Brandon Langlois at the media relations office and the players and coaches themselves, to talk with them privately. I say privately, but there are about six or seven media in there. The guys and girls who cover state regularly got a chance to sit down in a more relaxed setting and just chat with them. And I have my own video of Zach Arnett and Will Rogers. Robbie took care of Jaden Crumity and... That's right. Um, Jaquavius Marks, I was drawing a blank there. I'm still surprised that State took a running back. In fact, yes, I asked uh, Arnett about, was he sending the signal by taking running back? He said, no, just because Jaquavius is a great spokesman for the team. He's a good ball player. He's earned his chance to do that. I still think a little message is being sent, but maybe more to the team than the SEC. But that's just me and part of the fun. But they were relaxed, had good things to say, and we were able to you know, broach all sorts of topics and have a little entertainment without the craziness that was part of the last couple of media days where you're always waiting and dreading that really off-the-wall question that was going to be sent Mike Leach's way. Well, that didn't happen with Arnett. I don't think there was any truly off-the-wall queries thrown at him, uh, maybe beyond the fact when I chatted with him about, okay, this time he actually had to wear a real suit, a full thing, and Will Rogers talking about he showed up at the team plane, and Arnett said, nope, you're going to wear this tie, and handed him something else to put on, as well as the outfit that he was going to take to Nashville on that flight. I thought it was telling, too, that uh, Arnett went out of his way to remind that as his himself and three players pulled out of the uh, SEAL complex parking lot, they could see the rest of the team working with Coach Tyson Brown, doing physical drills, workouts, maybe some individual stuff as well, getting ready for the season. So it's still a working day and media days for everyone there. Just another hint that these Bulldogs are approaching this summer full blast to be ready for the start of practice, which will fall on August 4th, by the way. 
All right, getting back to the predictions there. So, and I did explain to Athletic Director Zach Selman that this is before the voting. I said, just be prepared. State's going to be voted very low in the West, and here's why. It has to do with the makeup of the media core. It has to do with the way the voting is handled, all sorts of things. I said, read nothing into it because it's just going to be wrong most ways around. And he accepted it. This was his first SEC Media Days, of course. He's been the Big 12 all his professional career besides his own playing career in the ACC at Wake Forest. So he'd never seen anything quite like this show. And I had a chance to chat with him as well. You can find our story on there. I talked to him about the new branding of Mississippi State with the script state, how the Banner M State still remains the official university, and I stress university logo and wordmark. But athletics has more freedom to use different logos, and they have for years. Let's remind that, too. State has used the state script before. They used uh, the baseball M over S and other symbols this past season. Now there's going to be more variety, and I just love the answer that Selman came up with. This is a beautiful answer, both diplomatic, even political, when he said, well, we just hope to uh, get more primary use out of our secondary trademark. I love that comment because that's a guy who knows exactly what to say. I'm sorry I can't report on everything we talked about. Some of it was off record regarding NIL, the future of college football in general, what's happening with NCAA, things like that. But um, now that we have some background there, we'll be broaching those subjects with Selman once we get deeper into the season and he has more time and comfort level to talk about such things with us. So, let's get to the all-SEC team as well. Now, Mississippi State was grossly underrepresented, and what representation there was was wrong, certainly in the case of Tulu Griffin. Second team, all-purpose, third team return specialist. This is a player who not only was the first team return specialist last season by vote of the coaches and the media for real football play as compared to this postseason prediction, He was All-American, and yet he's only third-team return specialist. That, again, reflects the voting base because a player from Alabama and a player from Texas A&M were first and second team in that. That's going to remind you of the predominance of the voting of those bases there. Hey, just the fact that Tule even made it is probably a sign of progress for Mississippi State, but not enough, and... Just thoroughly frustrating. Of course, Nathaniel Watson was second-team defensive at linebacker. That was good. He was uh, also second-team on the real All-SEC team last November, last December. Uh, the missing point, Jet Johnson, who, along with Watson, they were 1-2 in SEC tackles for the regular season. And Jet Johnson is totally ignored, not even first, second, nor third team in the voting. The state's only other representative on this was Will Rogers, who was third-team offense at quarterback. Now, I will say this, too. And this is where the voting adds up. You can only vote for two quarterbacks in the online ballot. For the record, and I've got to come out and be honest with this, for the record, I voted for, in order, Jaden Daniels from LSU and Joe Milton from Tennessee. Rogers was my third choice in there, so at least I and the rest of the press corps agreed on that. No, I did not vote for K.J. Jefferson. I just don't see it. I, I really, truly don't. Maybe I'm totally wrong on that, but 
I would take Will Rogers ahead of him in a heartbeat, especially in the offense that Mississippi State is going to be running this year. But that's my own voting, and like I said, I've got to put this down. I did vote for Watson. I voted him first team. I did not make it, of course, but I made my attempt there. I voted for Jaden Crumity first team defense, and honestly, I did not expect him to make first team or second simply because he only played five games last season. But if anyone was paying attention in the five games he played, as Zach Arnett said, that was a totally different defense when Jaden Cromedy was on the field, as we expected, as we saw. So not enough teams in the schedule, not enough media got a chance to watch him play. They know the reputation, but they just couldn't bring themselves to vote for them. He was on the ballot. Again, the school provides the candidates for all these positions. The SEC narrows them down to a workable number, and you can choose from them. So he was on the ballot. Um, Jet Johnson was on the ballot. These players were there. They just didn't get picked. Another player on the ballot, Jaquavius Marks, and I voted for him. He was my fourth pick at running back but only three running backs could be taken. I did not vote for any tight end or wide receiver from Mississippi State. Like I said, I'm being honest on this, and of course, none made the teams. I voted for Cameron Jones on the offensive line, which was divided up. You could vote for guards and tackles, and then separately, you could vote for two centers. I did not vote for a center. Um, I still think Cole Smith is better at guard, but I probably should have gone ahead and pulled the trigger on him. He wouldn't have made it, but it's maybe... Well, it's all, you know, water under the bridge at this point. But I still think Cam Jones definitely deserved consideration. You could vote for eight of those linemen, guards, or tackles. He did not make the team, but he had my vote, I believe, fifth out of that group. And, of course, Jaden Crony, like I said, he was he was the third defensive lineman I picked after the guy from LSU. And I forget who my number two choice was. I'd have to look it up. I did vote for Watson, as I said. Uh, he was my first linebacker pick. I voted Jet Johnson six because you could vote for six linebackers. He was my sixth choice, did not make the conference teams. I voted for Decamarian Richardson at cornerback. I voted him, in fact, highly enough that he should have been at least in consideration there, but of course he did not make the team. I did not vote for any Mississippi State safeties. Let's uh, see who else. Um, oh, did not vote for a punter because we have a transfer. And by the way, I did not vote for any transfers for any SEC school who have not played a game for that school yet. They may be great players, probably some of them definitely are, but until they actually play for a conference team in a conference game, I can't vote for them. That's just me. Maybe I'm being old-fashioned in this day of the transfer portal. That's probably totally out of step with reality, but that's just what I did. I tried to be consistent about that because I strongly considered that if I didn't use that rule, I'd have voted for Jaquarius Spivey at tight end because I know what he's going to be capable of this season. But you can only vote for two tight ends, and everybody knew that Brock Bowers from Georgia was going to run away with it, and he did. But another player I did vote for, yes, I voted for Hayes Hammond at long snapper just because I could. He was nominated. He got my vote. I believe he got Robbie Falk's vote as well. Wasn't enough to push him into the all-SEC first, second, to third team specialist. But by golly, Hayes Hammond, you got a couple of votes. And I think it's because you darn well deserve it. So that's kind of how our media day's results were as far as the voting. Now, what do I think about the conference's regard or lack thereof of Mississippi State? Well, again, it comes back to the press corps. And the more I watch these people in action, and in fact, I was talking to 
some fellow old-timers on this about how media days have changed. Because, like I said, I was the very first one back in 1985, and someone asked me how it's changed. I said, well, as best I remember, when we met at the Holiday Inn back in 85, there may have been 70, 80, 90 media there covering the whole show for then 10 teams. I said, right now, today, I suspect there's 80 or 90 media actually working at this media days and not just showing up to wear a credential and say I was there and do a TV shot. Am I being harsh on my profession? Yeah. And was I exaggerating? Only a little, because like I said, when less than half the members bother to vote when it's made so easy for them, the point being, SEC media days, especially when there, this was a year when there was going to be no big news about scheduling, about conference expansion, about such things, that's going to come next year. There'll be bigger topics next season with Texas, Oklahoma come aboard, as well as the new college football playoff first year. I suspect by this time next year we'll have a fuller picture on whether the SEC is going to a nine-game conference schedule, how that breaks down, big explanation. So more news next year in Dallas. This year was kind of – all the big stories have been handled leading up to this, taking care of it. So what SEC Media Days have been for many years is what started as something for writers and a handful of TV folk to get together to learn about the rest of the conference, to come away with material to prepare for a season. It's simply become a PR opportunity for the league and a big TV studio and, and, some, and, of course, Radio Row as well. It's more for them than it is for us writing media. I don't say that whiningly or complainingly. The times have changed. I've changed with it. But the point being that just don't take these things too seriously. Yes, well, you get sick and tired of hearing, well, you were just picked seventh. You're going to finish last in the West. Yeah, that'll get on Mississippi State nerves. I think the players will handle it way better than the fans will because they just say, okay, well, we've been picked low before and certainly exceeded expectations. Now, there's a goodly number of you fans out there, bless you, and I've been among you who um, almost welcome low expectations because it's easy to beat low expectations. Well, sometimes not so easy, and sometimes State has been picked low and finished low, even lower. That has happened, so let's not say it always happens that State always beats these expectations. But more often than not, Bulldog football teams will do at least a little better and sometimes a lot better than they're forecast to do by a press corps that simply does not take the time to learn that much about Mississippi State and a number of other teams, too. I almost guarantee that those same media who know next to nothing about what the Bulldogs are, who only care that they have a brand-new head coach, a first-time head coach, that Mississippi State's operating an entirely new offense with the same quarterback who's been in a different system for three years, making the transition, and lost a couple of high-profile guys to the NFL on the defensive side of the ball, they they sit there and think, well, in the SEC West, that's enough to uh, really be a disadvantage, and I can't trust them to pull it off. I could make that case. I have made that case um, on behalf of other media, but then I've shot it down in response because Zach Arnett, he may be a first-time head coach. No, he, he is a first-time head coach, but he's got a win under his belt from a bowl game. He's been with this program three-plus years already. He's beloved by this team already. He's a perfect fit for Mississippi State, in my mind, at this time and place. 
State has a ridiculously experienced offensive team who, yes, is learning a new system, but learning a system that plays to their strengths much more than the offensive system they've been in the previous couple of years, including at quarterback, and most of all, who has practically the entire offensive line, with one exception, coming back, the core of the defense in Crumity, Pickering, Jet Johnson, and Nate Watson, a bound-to-be-improved safety core that can only get better, and hopefully, if uh, transfer Nicholas Barmira gets the job done at place kicker, that's taken care of as well. This is a team, I don't have to make my absolute predictions until the week before the season starts. But already being pushed and asked, I will say casually, yes, I think the Bulldogs can and will finish third in the Western Division. I think they will go 9-3 and three for the regular season at this point. I'm going to watch camp before I make that final decision. I may nudge it down a little bit. You know, plus, the harder thing about predicting now, and I'll talk more about this when we do come down to the time to make that last call, is that it's harder to predict on teams, especially out of conference, because the transfer portal is transforming so many teams. As I mentioned, Kentucky, um, just driving over, listening to some of the changes they've made through the portal, particularly on the lines of scrimmage, I'm thinking – If those guys can play, Kentucky's going to be a much better team this year than they were last season. But I don't know that until you see those guys play. That's what the problem the portal is for predictors. And, you know, all these guys that I'm so lambasting right now for for playing it safe, well, I can see their point. But you're paid to talk about SEC football, to write about SEC football. Do some research. And for God's sake, don't vote Vanderbilt to win the conference. You make us all look bad when you do that because we're all assumed to be guilty. Goodness gracious. I hope Chuck Dunlap and the SEC office, the PR staff, keep a record of who made those votes and think long and hard next year about who they decide to give a credential or at least who they decide to give a chance to vote on the 2024 All-SEC teams. Well, that's our topic for the moment, and we've barely even gotten to the fact about State's new wordmark, or the now more or less official wordmark, the script State, and how that's going to change things. State did reveal the maroon set of uniforms for the coming season. I got some message board questions about why they didn't do a full reveal like some other Adidas schools have done. I get the sense that Mississippi State wants to spread these things out over through the preseason. There's a different marketing approach. You really do need to find the piece that I wrote with Zach Selman there. And the key you're going to come away with is this is the guy who has a really understanding of what branding means, not just in the traditional sense, because he has no tradition with Mississippi State. He's as new to this place as he can get. But he understands what branding means on a regional and national scope. And with the changes coming in college football in all sorts of areas, branding is ever the more important So check out what Zach Selman has to say. And, of course, you can still find our interview with Zach Garnett there from the prior to his big talk, which Mike Nemeth transcribed and has on the site as well, and our interview with Will Rogers. And I only use part of it because I've got some good stuff held back from that as we get into preseason. And as I mentioned, practice starts on August 4th. It's racing up upon us now not far away. And then we can just quit talking about preseason voting and start talking about uh, preseason practice. Can't come soon enough as far as I'm concerned. 
Now, you can still check out on Gene's page, follow what Steve Robertson and Robbie Falk are doing with baseball coverage because the great Braden Montgomery quest is ongoing. He has not made a decision as of yet. He's finished his visits as far as we know. Uh, Last trip to LSU after he'd already been to Mississippi State. And those worried about how long it's taken to make a decision, uh, my I agree with Steve on this, that the further he gets away from his final visit, the more balanced his decision is likely to be. That's just me guessing and speculating, but it does seem safe to go there. Of course, Mississippi State also going after some other players in the NCAA's transfer portal. Even though the portal did close a couple of weeks ago, if you were in the portal by that time, you can still sign well up to the start of the fall academic semester. So... I expect in these next week and a half, maybe at most a week, because school is not that far away, you'll see Braden Montgomery and others make their final decision. Fingers crossed for Mississippi State. Of course, uh, Paul Jones will be reporting on what's going on with Chris Jans and the Bulldog basketball team as they get ready for their European trip and how their practices are ongoing. And soon we've got to really start looking into what's going on with Humphrey Coliseum. How close are they to finishing it up? Still, we're not allowed to go inside and photograph, but I've got to think that with his eye towards branding and promotion, that Selman and Jans will want us to get some kind of looks, at least an advanced checkout of what the hump is going to be like inside, not just the nice and architectural drawings and other stuff we've seen for a couple of years, but what it actually looks like on video. So... Which is another way of saying practice isn't that far away. Bulldog basketball is already practicing off and on. Uh, the baseball roster is still being assembled, so there's a lot still going on. And this is the slow time. Things start speeding up awfully quick here in Bulldog country, and that's what we're here to cover in the doghouse on the Believe Podcast Network. Thanks for checking in, and be sure to check out our sponsor, betonline.ag, where the game starts. We appreciate you listening to this, and I hope to hear from you soon, and I hope you get to hear from me soon, too, with some good news about baseball transfers and a more complete breakdown of what's going to happen with the preseason football schedule, what days are open to media, and perhaps even open to fans as well. For now, that's our weekend edition of The Doghouse. Thanks for checking in, and remember, no matter how low the SEC media can go in their voting, These Bulldogs are going to exceed it running away. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.